All right. Well, I hope you'll pray for us and pray for each other this morning as we try to stand before you and that the Lord would bless our time here together and that we might... uh, that we might in some way glorify Him and that that we might be uh, also fed spiritually. So you pray for me while while we're here together. I want to turn, if we can, this morning to the... uh, turn back to the 14th chapter of the book of John and look at some things that we find there. Uh, And I'm going to uh, at least start by, I know I have, uh, it's probably been at least three weeks ago now since I was here because we had our meeting and I was going to Arkansas. And so, but as we started this about three weeks ago, so I'll give a little refresher uh, to this, but what we were looking at is is the 14th, or, or my intention is to look at the 14th, 15th, 16th chapters of the book of John, maybe not all this morning, uh, but to look across these because this was, the, this was the last message that Jesus gave to his apostles and his disciples before he went to the cross. And as I thought, as I've thought and meditated some on this portion of scripture, I, I guess the thought occurred to me is, is uh, if you knew that you were going to die, and Jesus surely knew that that night was the night he was going to be taken captive and that the next day that he was going to the way of the cross, uh, if you knew that t- t- tonight was your last night and you had your family gathered around you, what would you tell them? I mean, would you, would you be talking about how to invest or would you be talking about the latest, the next adventure you wanted to go on, the next mountain you wanted to climb uh, or something like that? Or would you give them the, sound, the, the, the most sound advice that you could possibly give them to help them get through what you know lies ahead for them? Now, Jesus knew that for his disciples and his apostles that his death, uh, of course, was going to result in a victory for them and for us and for God's children across the world and across time zones and everything else and across times uh, of years and across the world. But he, So he knew what was about to be accomplished, but he also knew his disciples were going to face many trials and troubles and problems coming up as they began to launch out and trying to go out and preach the gospel and follow through with what he was going to leave them. Uh, and so... As he's leaving these last words to them, uh, he's come, he's told them, uh, I'll I'll let you go and read uh, Luke chapter 22 and read about the Last Supper, read about the time of establishing a new communion, 13th chapter of the book of of John, uh, where he goes in and says, I've desired... You know, with with all the desire that I have, I have desired to have this meal with you, my, my friends. My best friends that I can possibly that I've had here during the time that I've been in the world, I wanted to have this meal, this Passover meal, with you, and and also establish a new meal, a communion meal for you to enjoy uh, going forward and to celebrate. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Uh, And so uh, he leaves that to them. Then he then he tells uh, you know that he's about to go away and. Peter says, you know, hey, I'll go with you. Jesus says, no, before the night's over, you're going to deny me uh, three times. Uh, and and, and as, the, as this lesson is playing out here in chapter 13 of the book of John, then Jesus looks at him them and says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, what, I mean, at, at that point in time, you know, they're probably looking at him a little, let, 
let not your heart, what do you mean let not your heart be troubled? The message would mean more in, in about 24 hours. Uh, the message would mean more in about three days or maybe four days from this point in time. About four days later, let not your heart be troubled would mean make a lot more sense to them. Don't be worried so much. And I'm telling you, as we go, as we go through this, knowing that Jesus Christ has, has, has died for our has died and shed his blood, redeemed us from our sins, and that he's sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, I, whatever we're facing, we're... I'm looking out here across the group. We're facing sickness and we're facing cancers and we're facing death and we're facing all kinds of trials. And even with all of that, I can look at you and say, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Jesus Christ. That is how, that is how the child of God gets through it. That's how we get through all the stuff we're facing here in this world is knowing that this world is not our home, that that's not, this is not it. This is not, you know, it's like in my prayer, I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, if I had, if this was eternity, if this was eternity of, of, of death and sickness and trial and trouble and threats of nuclear war and whatever else are going on around, I mean, I mean, just take me out and beat me now and get, and get it over with, right? I mean, if that was eternity, right? But that's not what it is. That's not what it is. That, the place where there's no more sickness, no more death, no more pain, nothing but, there, nothing but our Savior and, and the joy of being in His presence forever and ever and ever. And, and uh, I don't know what kind of singing will be there, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be grand and glorious. Uh, the angels will be singing. All kinds of stuff will be going on. And so as, as Jesus is looking, He says, Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going away. I've told you I'm going away. But he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. <laughs> and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, I'm going to tie this to a portion of Scripture uh, for just a minute. But uh, if you'll bear with me, turn over to the 46th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Uh, and the context of Isaiah 46 is, uh, uh, ties back to Cyrus, uh, the king uh, of Persia. And at this point in time, Cyrus is, is not even a, a historical note yet. Cyrus's day lies out in the future. Uh, and uh, and as, uh, as Isaiah is prophesying to these people, he's talking to them about their false gods, their false religion, their, their idols that they make out of their hands and out of wood and out of stone and how they cart them around on carts and so forth and so on. And, and then he looks at them and says, uh, says this, uh, Remember the former things of old. Verse 9, Isaiah 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. There's not, you know, you're, you can, you're trying to build a God out of stone and out of wood and out of whatever, you know, a mound of dirt or whatever you're trying to. He says, I'm God. There's, there is none else, and there's none like me. You can't make an image. You couldn't dream it up. Uh, that's the reason, one of the reasons he commanded them not to have any graven images. Don't try to make some kind of stone image, some kind of uh, 
decoration, uh, jewelry, whatever it is, and says, this is the image of God. No, it's not. There's none like him. There's none you could possibly make like him. And he says, there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now, there's a, there's a lot of preaching in that. Uh, but when he, when he says, my counsel shall stand, what I've decreed, what I've determined, uh, my counsel is going to stand and I will do what I please to do. That is God. That is a sovereign God, a God who doesn't answer to me and you, a God that's not waiting for me and you to make our decision and give him some direction on where he's going to go next. That's God who is determined and count it by his counsel what's going to take place. And he says, I will do all my pleasure. And he says, calling a ravenous bird from the east and a man that executed my counsel from a far country. I believe that's directly talking about Cyrus uh, in, in the context of the Scripture, uh, that he's going to call uh, Cyrus, and, and Cyrus, by the way, is a type of Christ uh, in that, because Jesus Christ came to execute the counsel of God, and he came from a far country. Uh, but God also used a king uh, from a far country to come in and punish the Babylonians who had taken his people captive, uh, uh, and also to set them free to go back and rebuild uh, the city of Jerusalem and the temple and so forth. So, <clears throat> as he comes here, he says, I, I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. <clears throat> I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now, that's the God we worship. And I go over and read that portion of Scripture because Jesus is stand, standing here in front, of these, in front of these men on the night before. And <clears throat> I believe that uh, if you look at, look at this, I think we can go in and see that as we go as we go through this. But the uh, 14, 15, 16 chapters of the book of John, Jesus preached this sermon uh, starting out in the upper room where they had had the uh, the last meal, the last supper, and so forth, uh, and then carries the sermon on as he's walking toward uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. Because when we get to the last of uh, 14, you'll see that. Uh, but he, he tells them, <clears throat> I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I'd, I'd execute my purposes. I, he says, uh, I will bring it. I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. That's the God of record that's standing in front of his disciples saying, if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. <clears throat> and Thomas, who later would not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead unless he had placed his hands in, his, in, his, in the wounds and in his side, Thomas looks at him and said, Lord, we, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Uh, Thomas is, is the guy, right? I mean, Thomas is probably one of the ones that's actually speaking for the rest of them. You know, there's always one person that that will speak up and say what's on there on really on his mind, but it's actually on the minds of everybody else in there. But nobody else will actually speak up and say anything, right? Well, Thomas is the guy. Thomas is the guy. Says, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. <clears throat> and and Jesus looks at him and says, "I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. I'm the way to where you're to where you're destined. I am the way. I, you know, if we go over and look at uh, uh, again, Brother Silas preached uh, here a couple of weeks ago, talking about the fact that uh, uh, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, we find over there it says, "There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death." There's a way that seems right to us, and uh, there's a way that seems right to the religious world today. Uh, but Jesus Christ is the way. Uh, he is the only way. Uh, and as we stand here and try to bring a message to you on a Sunday morning, uh, shame on us if we don't remind you time and time and time again, uh, the church is not the way. The Primitive Baptists are not the way. Uh, no other church denomination is the way. Uh, Jesus Christ is the way. And so when we're coming here, we're coming here to worship Jesus Christ, our Savior, and God the Father, the Almighty One, who purposed it and will also do it, who says that He's going to prepare a place for you. Uh, and if He goes and prepares a place for you, He will come again and receive you unto Himself, that where He is, there you may be also. That's the God that we worship here today is one that's not trying he's not he's not wanting to he actually does at, at what he purposes to do and so as he uh, as he's uh, leaving these men here he's trying let not your heart be troubled uh have you ever seen somebody think, think about this? i know what i'm doing and I, I got it i got this. i got this i know what i'm doing jesus christ is looking at his disciples and saying I got it, guys. Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, don't let your heart be troubled. I know where I'm going, and I know what's going on, and I know what's about to happen, and it's all good. It's all going to work out good. Uh, so he, as he looks at them, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. The only, the, no man comes to the Father but by Him. If you've known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know Him and have seen Him. And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth, sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? I, you know, uh, he that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus Christ was the manifestation of God himself here in the flesh while he walked here on this earth. Uh, he was the, the all-powerful one. He was the one holding the world together. He was the one holding the universe together while at the same time walking the streets of Nazareth, walking, walking by the shores of the Sea of Galilee, while going to Jerusalem, while calling his disciples. He was the Almighty One here in, a, here in the presence of these disciples. And as much as, uh, as it's possible for God to uh, condescend to be in flesh, what they saw was God in the flesh. They, if they'd seen him, I think part of what he's saying is if you've seen me in action, if you've heard me speak, if you've seen the kind of compassion I have, if you've seen the kind of, kind of love I've had, if you've seen me minister to those that are here, you've seen the Father because I, I and the Father are one. Believest thou that I am the Father and the Father in me? And he goes on. And we'll try to move across some of these things fairly quickly. Uh, uh, but he says, Believest thou not that I am the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. If, if you've seen me act, you've seen the Father act, because what I do is what I see the Father do. 
what I've seen the Father execute, that's what I execute. What I've heard Him say, that's what I say. So if you've seen me, He's saying, you've seen the Father in action. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. If you can't quite figure out that God is, that what I am is the manifestation of God in the flesh, that the very things that I'm saying, the very things that I'm executing, if you have trouble seeing that, then at least look at what I do. Look at the works that I've done. Look at the healings that you've seen. Look at the people that you've seen raised from the dead. Has any other man ever done anything like like he was like he's done? I I commented um, uh, here back several weeks ago at the time of, of Easter, and during that time I'd been studying and looking at some things in the Scripture, maybe in a different mind frame than I had looked at in the past, and I began to realize just like this book of John, uh, if you look at it, the, the how what large percentage of the book of John, the book of Mark, uh, and so forth is about the last week. Of Jesus Christ's life. And, and, and when you really begin to think about the things that were taking place, what a large percentage of those gospel letters are actually, uh, uh, and messages are actually about that last week. Then you can begin to comprehend over here when John would say, if everything that Christ had done had been written down in a book, the world could not contain it. Uh, he was here in ministry three and a half years, and and a large part of the new, of the of the four gospels is about the last week of his life. If everything he had done in three and a half years, and that just tells me if you could if you could see and, and can imagine when Jesus says, "If you don't believe that the Father's in me, then just believe the works' sake." Then you've almost got to imagine that week after week after week after day after day. He was going from town to village, village to town, and he would just lay a hand on someone. Someone would be walking. There's there's a lot recorded here about how people were made blind, were made to see, the lame were made to walk, uh, the poor have the gospel preached to them. All of those things are recorded for us, uh, enough for us to know that he came and fulfilled the prophecies about him in the Old Testament scriptures, especially there in Isaiah when it, when it foretold of how he would come. There's enough recorded for us to see that this was fulfilled. But if everything he'd done had been recorded... <clears throat> All the healings, all the people that were made to, made to see, all the people that were made to walk, all the miracles that he did. Uh, we, ha- we have record of him calming the troubled sea by just a word, by showing his control over the wave and the wind. Uh, uh, we, have, we have record of him walking on the water. But what else did he do? <clears throat> what else did he do? We don't know. And it's, not, and it's not important because what we need to know is recorded right here that we might walk by faith and not by sight. But I'm just telling you, Jesus looks at them and says, Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. Now I've said this, and I've said this I think a few weeks ago when I was talking about this, but I'll say it again. There are those today that teach uh, that we can do uh, bigger, better works than Jesus Christ. Don't think it's happening, folks. Uh, But I'll tell you what we can do. We've got more time here to work. We can do greater or more in number type things even than than he did, maybe. Uh, 
considering what I've just said about what he probably did during the three and a half years, we have more time. We can do greater, more, and, and, and labors and so forth. We can have an opportunity to do things maybe that he didn't do during the time that he was here. But I'll tell you, we're not going to exceed him in the uh, spectacular nature of the works that he did. So he says, He that believeth on me and the works that I do, uh, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Anytime, anytime you see any kind of statement in the Scripture, you better balance it against the rest of Scripture or you'll make a mistake in, in interpretation of Scripture. And, and so uh, the Bible tells, tells us in the writings of the book of Paul in the Roman letter uh, that what's a, if when we ask something according to His will... Uh, that he will grant that to us. And whatsoever we ask according to the will of God, he will grant. So I don't think he's saying here, uh, Lord, I want to have a Mercedes Benz. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, I want to have all the riches of the world. And if you'll just ask it in my name, I'll give it to you. No, he says, if you ask it, consume it upon your lust, James, in the book of James, uh, he says, you'll not receive it. Uh, so uh, we need to even balance the things that, and make sure we compare Scripture with Scripture to understand what he's saying. But up until this time they hadn't been praying in the name of jesus jesus was with them uh but he later he later commanded them ask in my name i'm going to the father the father uh i'm going to be seated on the right hand of the throne of god i'm going to be there to intercede for you ask in the name of jesus christ that's what we're to do go before him and ask in his name now if you can't ask it in the name and authority of Jesus Christ, you don't need to be asking for it. <laughs> that would be another good rule for prayer. But he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you uh, forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. So, uh, the, the second part of the message is, is one, don't be troubled. I'm going away, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you, uh, that where I am there you may be also. Believe that I am the Father. Now, if you think about the supremacy of, of the Old Testament Scriptures, looking at God the Father. God the Father was the one out in the forefront. Uh, Jehovah God. He says, I am the Father. Uh, ask in my name and, you, and you'll receive. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, and not only that, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to be with you. And so you begin to get this, this message that he's, that he's leaving with them here in this last week. Don't be troubled. <clears throat> I think about. Uh, I, th- I think I told. Th- I may have told this, but I'll, I'll say it again. My uh, one of my brother-in-laws uh, passed away several years ago with uh, uh, from cancer, and I think at the. I think at that time uh, uh, he had had he had had kidney cancer, had one kidney removed, then the cancer came back in the other kidney, and uh, there wasn't much they could do, and it, it grew and grew and spread and spread and. You know, and in, in his last in his last days, I was going down to visit him, and 
have prayer with him and, and there on the bedside, you know, and uh, and I'm praying, you know, and I, and I can't help but think and uh, uh, tear up a little bit thinking about uh, as I'm even praying there with him. Lord, be with him. Bless this man. Heal him, Lord, if it would be thy will and so forth. Is trying to pray for pray for him there on that bedside. And uh, when when the prayer's done, he looks at me and, and gives me a big old hug and looks at me and says, Charles, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He was comforting me. He was trying to tell me, "Don't it's all it's all right. It's going to be all right." I he knew what he knew what was lying ahead for him. He knew he was going to get out of that old cancer racked body, and he was going home to see the Lord. He said, "Charles, it's going to be okay." And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, uh, "Let not your heart be troubled." You're going to see me beaten. You're going to see me ragged. You're going to see me nailed to a cross. And I've said this before, and I believe this 100%. Uh, For those that were there that day, for one, for those that were wanting to put Jesus to death, if you're looking at the Jewish leaders and the the Roman soldiers and many others that were there at at that time, they looked at it and said, boom, we got him. We got him. Man, we, we finally put this guy to rest. We... Man, we got it. <clears throat> what looked like defeat to the natural eyes was victory incomplete. It was victory incompletion. He he was te- he's standing there and it looks from a natural. He said, "They got him. They won. They've defeated him." No, my friends, uh, uh, they couldn't hold him. <laughs> as, as as Jesus looked at Pilate that day, and Pilate says. Do you not know I have power of life and death over you? And Jesus looks at him and says, You have no power except that that I grant unto you. Sobering. Sobering to me and you today. And I'm telling you, the power of God there upon that upon that cross. Uh, uh, after after hanging there, Brother Allen was talking to us last night. He'd been reading uh, a story about uh, a book that talks about the realities of how cruel crucifixion is and the painful death that men go through during that time. Yet we yet the Bible records for us at the end of that time and at the end of the uh, the three uh, the darkness that uh, uh, where God poured out His wrath on Jesus Christ there upon the cross by. Savior who had been up all night beaten to a pulp, nailed to a cross, his life's blood pouring out of him. The Bible records for us that he cried out with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. By nature a physical impossibility. But we're not talking about just anybody. We're talking about the Savior. We're talking about the creator. We're talking about the God uh, that created the heavens and the earth. The one that died for us there on the cross that came for a purpose. He said, I have purposed it. I will also do it. There was, there was no doubt, my friends, the day he went to the cross that victory was going to be won. And so when he, when he comes to us here and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. <clears throat> and I will pray the Father. You know what, we, we get to look at this sometimes, we say, if you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus turns right around behind this statement and says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another. I'm, if you love me, keep my commandments. And when you think you're struggling doing what God has asked you to do, remember, 
Jesus Christ is, is interceding for you and with the Father, and he's given you a comforter to give you strength to help you carry on in the battle that you're facing. Even the spirit of truth, this comforter is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. He didn't say they maybe could receive if they just believe hard enough. He says the spirit of truth the world cannot receive. By our nature, it's not something we can receive. But my friends, God is able to give it to us and grant us the, uh, this, uh, this spirit. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. <clears throat> even, in the, even in the time of his death. Uh, he, he knows he's going away. He knows three days are going to be uh, very tumultuous for them. In fact, he knows the next number of years are going to be trouble for them. When we get over to the 16th chapter of the book of John, as we get through this message, uh, Jesus tells them, you're going to be run out of the synagogues. You're going to be put to death. You're going to be tortured for my name's sake. One thing Jesus didn't do. Sometimes we maybe have a tendency to do this when we're talking to people. We're, we kind of paint the picture all rosy. We want to tell we want to tell them all the positive things. We don't want to tell them any bad news. You know, I hate to tell you. You know, Jesus looks them in the eye and says, "I'm going away, but be of good cheer." Uh, he looks at them and says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. But then he goes right on and tells them later on in, this, uh, in these uh, three chapters, you're going to be tortured, you're going to be put to death, all for my name's sake. I mean, he could, you know, he could have skipped that part, right? But not. But my Lord is, being, is telling them just like it is. He's preparing them for the future. <clears throat> How many of us have children? And as they're as they are getting ready to go out in the world, do we do we tell them what they're going to be facing? Do we look them in the eye and say, "Here's what's coming. Here's what you're going to be confronted with. You're getting into middle school. Here's what you're going to be facing. You're getting into high school. Here's what you're going to be facing. Now, uh, you're fixing to go off to college. Here's what you're going to be facing. Now, uh, you know." Uh, sugar-coating sugar it to, for them will not do them any good. You've got to tell them what they're going to be confronted with and at the same time tell them they've got something they can lean on to help them overcome and to be victorious in the trials that they're going to face in life. Jesus Christ did that. I mean, the last, this, this last message is a, is a complete message and yet an overall lesson for me and you of how to train up our, uh, our disciples, our apostles, our children. I mean, it, it gives us all of these lessons here for us by saying, don't be overcome with so much trouble and trial in this world. And if you love me, keep my commandments. Have you ever, uh, Brother Adam and I were talking last night a little bit, you know, about how Jesus, the demands of Jesus Christ for you and me is perfection. He demands perfection out of me and you. Now, I could turn back over to the 103rd Psalm and I'll say this. He knows our frame and he knows it's dust. Uh, he understands what we're made out of. He knows exactly who we are. He knows that we're sinners by our nature, uh, that, we're, that we're depraved and so forth and so on. But as the perfect, holy God, what else could he expect of me and you? Oh, well... My expectation for you today is to go out and sit a lot. It's not what he expects. 
He might know that's what we're going to do, that that may be what we're going to do. But that's not his expectation of us. His demands are higher. Uh, you know, people, you, even, in the, even in the work world today, people say things like this or in football or sports or whatever. <clears throat> Folks rise to their expectations. Uh, if you have low expectations of people, uh, moms and dads, for all the training folks training out there, if you have low expectations of your children, expect them to rise to the level of your expectation, okay? Uh, we, we are to expect the very best from them. And, and at the same time, we know their frame. We know what they can do. You know, that's, all, that's always the frustrating thing, isn't it, with, the, with their children? You say, go, go find this. Go pick up this. Oh, Daddy, I can't do that. <clears throat> Well, I know you can. So my expectation is for you to get in there and get it done. Uh, my expect Now, I may have to teach you. I may have to train you. I may have to show you. I may have to do it more than once. I may have to do it again and again and again. <clears throat> Isn't that what this book is for you and me? Jesus Christ is telling us again and again and again, you can do this. You can do better than what you're doing. You can do better than what you did yesterday. Why? And so I'm telling you again, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth it with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see me. Ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. There's the complete circle. I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. There, there's how we're bound up so that we cannot perish. You would have to destroy God. You would have to destroy the Godhead in order for me and you, to one of God's little children, to perish. Why? Because He's in the Father, and we're in Him, and He's in us. And so He's got us all bound up together so that it's impossible unless you can tear God apart and tear God down. Maybe that's the reason people are spending so much time today trying to tear God down. Well, I'm going to tell you, they're not successful no matter what they do. Uh, they may make, make folks think they've done something to destroy God, uh, but I'm telling you, God still is reigning supreme. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Brother Adam and I, again, we were talking last night. We were gathered together for a little while just talking about some things and uh, getting together, a little, little, little get-together for each other at that time. Anyway, but we're talking about, you know, with, uh, with, our, with our children. You know how, we, how our children show us that they love us? They do what we ask them to do. Uh, you know, and, and as a father... Our, 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 our expectations and our requests, our demands of our children should not be unreasonable. And I'm going to tell you, the demands of the Father are not unreasonable. 
He did not expect something out of us that you and I are incapable of doing. He does not have. He does not expect too much. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, uh, that uh, that these expectations are are just and reasonable for for you and I. And so He tells us, "He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, He is that loveth me." We show our love to Him by doing what He's asked us to do. That's how we show it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like this. Maybe maybe this is an example. I'll just put it that way. You know, people say, uh, "Well, try to make sure I say this right." But anyway, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna come see you sometime. Okay, well, man, you're welcome. I would love to have you come see me, and man, nothing be better for you to come and visit me in my, in my home. Uh, well. I couldn't get there, but I was thinking about you while, you know, during this time. Well, I'm glad you were thinking about me. That's wonderful. Uh, but you know what? I'd have loved it a lot more if you'd have just done what you said you were going to do. Uh, one of the ways that we uh, we show the Father that we love Him is by doing what He's asked us to do. Just saying it a lot of times is so much words. I can say I love my wife. But she really knows it by what I do, not by what I say. I can say I love her and act like a scoundrel and act like the meanest person in the world. And all my words become very empty to her over a period of time. If we say that we love the Heavenly Father, but then continue to do the opposite of what He asks us to do. Our actions, you know, the old saying, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. So he says, if you love me, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. The, the, the Father's going to return the love. It's not that he doesn't love us anyway. He loves us anyway. But when we love him by keeping his commandments, that, that love returns to us. He shows that return, affection, and care to you and me. And, uh, and he says, And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me and will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. We're going to come and abide with him in a way that, you know, maybe the world doesn't even understand. You know, uh, how are you going to show this to us and not to the world? Because he has the ability to come and dwell specifically with you. He has the ability to come and dwell specifically uh, with each and every one of us in a way that, you know, can you imagine? I can only be in one place. You can only be in one place. But you know, isn't it wonderful to know that our God... Uh, while, while we like, you know, like preaching messages today, we got so many fantastic things, haven't we? I mean, we've got, we've got recordings, we've got the internet, uh, we've got uh, broadcast media, you've got satellites, uh, you've got air, the message can go out anywhere and everywhere, but you know what? I can't guarantee that it'll go into every single place that it needs to get to, no matter what I do. But my friends, Jesus Christ and God, the father uh, can dwell with you and with you 
you and with you and with you and with folks in Tanzania and Kenya and other places around the world. God can come in personally. When we love him and keep his commandments, he comes and makes his abode with us and dwells with us and comforts us and nourishes us. So he says, he that loveth me, uh, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. Uh, And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So, you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't love me, you don't do what what I've asked you to do. You don't keep my words. These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. Now, so we have a kind of the great recording here where, you know, probably their minds are beginning to think, you know, he says he's going away. But even in, even in this, after someone has, how many of us have lost loved ones? I'm looking out here, all of us, you know, and he said, you know what? I sure wished I had written down some of the things that my dad said. Or I wish I'd have thought to maybe record some of the things that he told me about family or about life and about other things. I, I wish I'd have taken the time to really sit down and do that. Maybe it's like, you think about grandparents, you know, and some of their little sayings that they had, some of their words of wisdom. Man, I wish I'd have written, taken the time to write that down. And, but, but once they're gone, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Another another bit of assurance. I mean, because you can imagine after he's gone, their minds are going to be, oh man, I wish I had a thought to write down what Jesus said. And Jesus looks at them and says, don't let your heart be troubled. The comforter is going to come and he will cause to bring to remembrance all things that I've said unto you. Just one, it's just one more assurance, one more comfort, one more assurance that the fact I'm not going to leave you alone. The things that I've taught you and told you, I'm going to leave with you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be, don't be afraid. I'm going away. I'm going to leave you the words of wisdom. The Holy Spirit's going to come and comfort you. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. If you knew, if I, if I could just express to you as he looks at this, if you could just understand, I'm going to the Father and, the re, and I'm going to the Father victory. Victorious. I'm going to the Father overcoming death. I'm going to the Father conquering sin for you. If you understood that, you would rejoice in the fact that I said I'm going to the Father. Sometimes we just, you know, they didn't get the picture and sometimes we don't either. I've talked, uh, you know, thought about it in recent days. You know, so many times people get so troubled by things that are going on in this world. And, you know, if, if we could just shift our mind and our focus for sometimes off the little things that are afflicting us and say, if you just knew what Jesus had done for you, you could rejoice. I can rejoice today. I don't have to wait till I'm going home to be in heaven. I don't have to wait till I see the angels uh, there around the throne. I don't have to wait till I see him face to face. If I know and understand what Jesus Christ has accomplished for me, I can rejoice now. 
<clears throat> and now I've told you before it come to pass that when it come to pass you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise and let us go hence. He's been in the upper room. He's been talking to them, leaving this message of comfort, consolation, reminding them that he is the the very image of the Father. He's going home to be with the Father. Now rise and let us go hence. Let us go over to the garden. Let us go over to Gethsemane. Let us arise and go. So, I'm going to start this and we will uh, finish it up next week, Lord willing. In the 15th chapter now, the book of John, he rises and says, I'm the true vine. Was Jesus walking down the streets of uh, Jerusalem somewhere? Were they passing a vineyard? Don't know. It's very possible that during that time that they were they were leaving out of the streets of Jerusalem. They're walking down one street. Maybe they're passing a little uh, garden area there next to them. Somebody's got a vineyard planted. And as he's walking and carrying them to the Garden of Gethsemane, he looks and says, I'm the true vine, and my father's the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. The one, the husbandman. You know, the, 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 the great message that, that, that I think so many people miss today, the things that people use to scare people with out of the Scripture so many times and, and looking at the things, they forget that, that the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ said he would not lose a single one that the Father gave him to die for. Not the loss of a single solitary one would he lose. And so when he talks about uh, looking here, he says, I'm the true vine. My father is the husbandman. You know, man, if you start thinking about an example of a vineyard, what kind of better vineyard could you get than that, right? Jesus Christ is the vine. God the Father is the one watching over the vine, watching over it, trimming, taking care, and so forth. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it <clears throat> uh, and prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. He wants us, while we're living here, to be fruit bearers. And that's where and maybe that's where I'll maybe that's where I'll leave some of this today without getting further further into this is just say, He wants us to bear fruit. We say, Well, Brother Charles, am I supposed to be grapes or or apples or you know, what is it I'm supposed to be bearing? We turn over to Galatians five five twenty two, and I think we'll find over there that the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Uh, and so he wants us to be bearing that kind of fruit. Brother Adam talked, has talked to us a lot about being compassionate. Jesus Christ was compassionate. Uh, he, he loved and cared about people. He looked out and saw the people of this world struggling. And, and he says, you know, they, they don't have a shepherd for them. It says, the fields are white to harvest. Pray ye that the Lord of the harvest might send the laborers into his harvest. Today, we look around, and, and I hear this a lot in our churches these days. And it's not just primitive Baptist churches, but other churches. People say, we don't have a pastor. We don't have enough ministers. Are you, are you, are you mad about it? Or do you, are you compassionate enough to get down on your knees and pray that God will send laborers into his vineyard? 
uh, or our young men, or maybe not young men, whatever age, man, are, are, we, are we compassionate enough about these situations to say, Lord, if it's me you want to go, I'll go. If it's me you want to serve, I'll serve. I mean, if we begin to take that kind of heart and that kind of compassion toward things, it'll change the way we look. We won't look out here. We won't look out here and be so aggravated and so whatever all the time. We'll actually wonder, Lord, would you would you have me, Lord? I, you know, I got to tell you this, and I can say this about me too. Okay, and, and it, it fits for me too. But but if you think about the things that uh, that Jesus Christ and that God that God did, uh, he you he called David. A man of David's character. Uh, a man who loved God but often fell short in a lot, of, a lot of his actions and things and doings. God used David in a mighty way. <clears throat> Let's look at Moses. Moses killed a man before he went out, uh, killed an Egyptian uh, before he went out on the backside of the desert for 40 years and then came back to help lead the children of God out of Egypt. God was able to use Moses. God was able to change Moses' life around. God was able to use a man like Saul of Tarshish, who he, he renamed Paul, to be one of the greatest apostles of the New Testament church. And I can tell you, I know me. God has been able to use me in some small way or some way here in, in, in the, the kingdom of God. And so when you look around and say, well, God probably can't use me. I'm going to tell you, uh, God can use a willing vessel in his service. Let us be willing to serve him. May God bless you is our prayer. We'll keep looking at this last message of Jesus Christ to his uh, apostles and uh, see where all it takes us.